It's great to be in the house of the Lord together anytime, but in this season especially. So we wish our, I don't know if they're live streaming it, but we uh, wish Pastor Mike and Chris and all the Stevenson family in Calgary a uh, great Thanksgiving, safe travels to and from. So we got it. We got it. uh, We're holding it down today, Pastor, so don't you worry. I want us to start today with, yes, potatoes, turkey, loaves, and fishes, a Thanksgiving homily, and I'd love for us to uh, begin with a simple game called This or That, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this is simple. I'm going to show you a couple of sets of two pictures, and we're going to use a show of hands, and you're going to tell me which one you prefer, this or that. So let's see what's up first there. Okay, turkey, let's have a show of hands. This, okay, or stuffing. Okay, I should have said a vegetarian turkey substitute. Maybe that wouldn't have clouded the results. But it looks like stuffing, I don't think it would have mattered. It looked like stuffing cleaned it up. Okay, next one. This, sweet potatoes. Oh, ginger and milk, these are your people. Versus uh, mashed potatoes. And our last one, pumpkin pie. This is tough. Didn't say it was easy. It was simple, but not easy. Pumpkin pie, okay. And then pecan pie. Wow, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. Okay. Well, and I hope you had uh, as many of those things as you wanted and didn't have too much so that you had to... uh, go to sleep at 6.30 like I did, but man, it was good. So we're going to look today at a great moment in Thanksgiving history with a story that should be familiar. It's just not the one you're probably thinking of. And the story has several parts to it, so sorry that some of the scripture gets a little uh, tiny. And I need to also say this story is in four Gospels. But it's not told the same in each one. And uh, each version has different details that I really like. So I've done a big mashup. And you can try to follow along if you want. But I'll be jumping around from different Gospels. There's something from each one, even if it's only a sentence or two. Starting with Mark 6, second half of the first. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus knew better than anyone what it takes to minister to the needs of others, what it takes to drive out demons, to heal people. It's nice to think he was superhuman or Teflon and that, that wasn't tiring, but he knew. The disciples had just had an experience like none other, and Jesus, with compassion, says, Let's get to a quiet place. I want to hear all about it, and you guys need some rest. 
So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, a town called Bethsaida. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Okay, so now the, chan now the plans are changing a little bit and which sometimes require flexibility. And since you know where uh, the story might be going, this is the equivalent of having an unexpected dinner guest, and you're not sure if you have enough food for all of them. I'm giving I'm, I'm, that's a spoiler alert, but, um, and I know we have people who can relate to this, because around here we have a term for that, it's called potluck. Can I get an amen from the potluck team members? You're not sure if you have enough, but you know, we, we work it out. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them too. I hope you hear a common theme from Jesus. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, I've moved on to Luke 9, 12 and 13 and beyond. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. This is like one of my favorite parts of the story. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. What? They were probably proud of themselves for uh, anticipating a need before it happened, and they had a plan worked out. Jesus said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Oh, Jesus. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. There's so much richness in that quote. Philip doesn't just say, we don't have that kind of money. Philip gets like creative. It would take half a year's wages to buy enough bread for people only to have a bite. And who wants to just have a bite? So was that Jesus already knew what he wanted to do. And he, the scripture says he did this to test Philip. So did Philip pass the test? This or that? Yes, he passed the test, or no, he didn't pass the test? I don't think he passed the test. So then we have to ask, was this test um, unrealistic? Was it asking a lot of Philip when he said, where should we go to get bread? So I turn our attention back to our scripture today. When Jesus, and it's so important for me, I hope it is for you, but I, it's important for me to connect this part of the story with the part of the story that precedes it. We don't always do it, but it's important. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. We're in Luke. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. That's probably the anchor moment of the talk today. That comes from Matthew 10. Freely you have received, freely give. Back to Luke. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread. Hmm. No money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out 
and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Right. Okay. So that had happened. That had just happened. They weren't healing people because all of a sudden they looked up online how you get rid of demons or cure diseases. The Bible's clear. Jesus gave them the authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal, to tell the good news about the kingdom. He gave them that. So they didn't seem to struggle with that when they were out in pairs. But now that they're back and they have a problem that's beyond their immediate uh, ability to solve, I don't know if they went, went back to an old muscle memory because Jesus would figure something out, or if they just didn't connect, that that gift that Jesus gave them enabled them to do powerful things in God's name. So back to our story. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. This is such a great detail, and I'm uh, surprised it's not in more of the stories. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Here we go. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Some uh, versions say in groups 50 and 100. So there's an order to it that makes sense. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. So that's how they reconciled the numbers. There were obviously more people than that because there were also women and children. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks. That's a dramatic pause. He took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Does that surprise you? We already heard that Jesus knew what he was going to do. And when he gets down to doing it, what does he do? He gives thanks. That's right. First Thanksgiving. First Thanksgiving, yeah. This is not the Thanksgiving uh, supper you were thinking about, but it's a Thanksgiving. It's a great moment in Thanksgiving history. Jesus says thank you for a little thing of bread and some fish. And this wasn't a one-time deal. He gave thanks at the Last Supper. He was always giving thanks. So if there's one thing I want you to take, well, a couple things. Freely we receive, freely give, and that Jesus was a great thanks giver. So now we've got a, uh, you couldn't even explain this if this were like rabbits and they multiply, but you know, not when they're in this state. You couldn't, have, you couldn't explain this with, and you can't explain it with bread and fish. But something special is happening. Verses 12 and 13, when they all had enough to eat, he said this to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Okay, given our theme, it's a fantastic story. And I think we can extract five lessons from that today. Probably a lot more than that. But I believe that we can take Five lessons away. One of them is, the first is that we are limited, but God is not. 
That's going to help you when you get to some point in your life where you've tried everything you can think of to figure it out and you can't. So if all you're looking at is your, if you're focusing on your own ability to solve it, you're looking at why something can't be done. If you are looking at whether God is able to do this, then nothing is impossible. Where should we go to get food? There aren't any places open. Looking, they're looking to regular, uh, conditioned ideas. God's not limited. We are. And God's, God, we see examples of this all throughout the Bible. Twelve spies are sent out from Israel to go get a look at this land that God has already told them he's going to give them. Land flowing with milk and honey. Ten spies, twelve spies goes out, go out. Ten of them say, oh, no way, no way. Giants in the land. Can't do it. It's suicide. Two of them say, if God's with us, we can take them. We can take them if God's with us. Do you want to know which group was the only group of their age to go into the promised land? That was Caleb and Joshua. The two spies had said, yes, if God's with us, we can do it. The rest perished in the, with the rest of the generation, perished in the desert. It was their kids that went in. David versus Goliath. More giants. Ooh, and a lot of people are hanging back, even though this guy's really talking a lot of trash to the God of Jehovah. David gets there halfway through, or more or less, and he says, what's going on? He gets, they explain it to him, and he says, well, I, no, I can't have this. One, this is uh, the Almighty God. Uh, and if he's with me, I can do it. Two, I'm quicker. If I can get all this bulky armor off, I'm faster. I don't even, I can move quicker than he. I don't have to even get close to him because I have superior weapon technology. I'll put a stone in his forehead before he ever gets close enough, before I get close enough for him to do his damage. I can do it with God's help. And here we have loaves and fishes which we're going to get to in a second. So that's lesson one. We are limited. God is not. Lesson two. Jesus is always looking for a starter. Each of those things I told you about, there was a starter involved. Whether it's David, who was confident in his abilities, but also God's power. The two spies, it says, yes, let's go into the land. God wants, is ready for a starter. In our story today, the starter is, I believe, the young boy. Now, there are, no, there are not a lot of details in either gospel. Well, most gospels don't even have the detail that the lunch was the boy's lunch. And I checked Desire of Ages, and Mrs. White doesn't have a ton to say about the detail that um, I'm thinking about. So that gives us the great job, the fun job, of filling in the details. I believe there are three possibilities for what happened with that uh, basket, the boy and the basket of food. And I like them a little better, each one. Like the first one I don't like as much, and the last one I like a lot. Option one. 
the disciples just grabbed this kid and said, hey, he's got some food. Bring him over here. I don't like that story. Could have happened. Uh, you get to fill in your own details. That's a beautiful thing when the Bible leaves some uh, open areas. The second option, I believe, is highly credible. The mom of the boy says, why don't you give them this and see if it can help? Because moms are great at anticipating needs before they happen, and they also have compassion on others, even if it's just their own kids. That's the second story option. Better than the first. My favorite story, fill in the details, is the kid himself, prompted just by a giving heart, says, here, you can have these, only thinking about that he had something that could help. And what a contrast that is between the disciples are thinking about, it can't be done. We got all sorts of problems with this scenario. And the boy who walks up and says, hey, you can have these if they help. Woo, I like that one the best. That's a starter. How many of you are bread bakers? Okay, what do you need to make sourdough and some other kinds of bread? Starter. And I, oh boy, do I love sourdough. So anybody wants to make some, that'd be great. And I'm talking to you, Chris. I understand you make some sourdough too, so I don't care, gluten-free or gluten, extra gluten, whatever. The concept is you have a little section, and that is what you mix in with other things, flour and water. And that starter, it works like yeast, and because of its chemical makeup, it interacts with the rest of the bread that you're baking, and it helps it rise. Um, I did some research on this this week, which when I say I did some research, Ginger looked it up online while I had the cat on my lap, so I was pretty much out of commission. But she was helping me understand how starter helps out. So in the process, you have to make sure you pull some starter out so you have some for the next thing. There's some great thing in the Amish, they do friendship bread, same concept. The starter works its way through the whole sourdough loaf. And you know that Jesus talked about the yeast of the Pharisees, and his symbol was a strong one, that a little bit of bad thinking can spread through the whole thing and do a lot of damage. The opposite is true, too. He's looking for a starter. It could have been that kid. Give me one person here who thinks something good can happen. He's always looking for a starter. Are we going to be that for him? Third lesson. Receive what you are given with thanks. We had a perfect opportunity to practice this simple concept this week with our, around our Thanksgiving tables, which is wonderful. But it doesn't always have to be a meal. It's uh, surprising to me how quickly I can, um, I confess, how quickly I can blow past uh, saying a blessing or giving thanks for each meal. As if I sort of expect now that that's just part of the deal. So I have to really remind myself, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No less an example is Jesus gave thanks for the food that he received and was able to share and the miracle he was able to direct. So I hope we don't get too casual about saying the blessing. Um, but it's not just that. It's not just food. We have other things where God has given us. So when you are aware, that's probably some of our problem, 
When you are aware that God has given you something, receive it with thanks. Lesson four, perfectly again illustrated by the Thanksgiving table. Share what you received. This Thanksgiving, um, mom made the green beans and Ginger made a lot of things and I helped her a little bit. But I did not make our Thanksgiving lunch. So here it comes. I've got the mashed potatoes that I love and she made a great carrot souffle. And what happens? Somebody passes you this. It's the same thing happening in this Thanksgiving story. They didn't come up with the bread. They didn't give any fish, but a basket was given to them. And what did they do? It's not complicated. They took some and they passed it. That's as simple as this lesson is. If God gives us something, look for what we can do to share it after it's met our uh, need. Share what you receive. Pass the dish. And the fifth lesson is Jesus gives us all that we need. Yeah. Did you catch that detail? Yeah. When they had all had all that they needed, and what? It's a great little detail. It says, Don't, leftovers, that's right. Jesus says, let nothing be wasted, including the point I want you to get. How many baskets were left over? Twelve. Is that just a coincidence? You got twelve who had already been given miraculous abilities to do um, great things in God's name. And they didn't see an opportunity to help, to have compassion and help people who were hungry. Twelve baskets left over. I don't think the disciples would have forgotten that, that number and the lesson that was in it for them. All right, those are our five lessons. I know that's more than the magic number of three, but uh, maybe, I don't know if your bulletins have a little insert that says you can write some of these guys down. Do you have, yeah. So if it helps you to write some of these down to remember, fantastic. Then you also know there are also two activities. So we got our five lessons and our two activities. Where on earth did I come up with those numbers? Here are some things to keep in mind today. Showing appreciation. I got this uh, from something that came to the email at work. It's like, uh, uh, like a short little publication about having a healthy and stress-free holiday season. So listen to what they talked about. I work at Kaiser Permanente, so it was created by them, us. Showing appreciation and practicing gratitude for what we have and for those who have been there for us are proven and reliable methods for increasing happiness. That makes sense. Boosting feelings of positivity and joy and reducing stress, anxiety, and depression. How about that? When we recognize and acknowledge how others have supported us, we strengthen those relationships. Gratitude allows us to think about what we have instead of what we don't have and view challenges and difficult situations with a different perspective. Activity number one, keep a gratitude journal. I'm not a great journaler, but I should be doing this. Note three to five things 
that are good in your life today? Or people you appreciate? You can do this every day or a few times a week, but read your journal before you go to bed. Activity two, every day make a point of expressing gratitude to someone. When we thank people for what they've done, we create a cycle of kindness and gratitude where everyone involved is inspired to do more kind things for others. So writing them is a good start, but coming up with some gesture that shows them that you're grateful for something they've done really strengthens those bonds. I did that um, maybe two weeks ago. I just had an urge to... There are rows of cubes at work, and so our little section has three, three cubes in a row, a little walkway, and then three other cubes. So it's like six of us. One, one cube's open. So I just thought, you know what? As I uh, come upon almost three years working there, all of them have been there longer than I have. I just wanted to do a little gesture that showed them how much I appreciated um, them and how supportive they've been after I've been going through a lot of weird health stuff. And I thought, what better thing, what better gesture than to go get some Portos down the street on Hollywood Way, down in Burbank. Whew. So I did. I brought some back, got a lot of them. I gave them first shot. And there were stuff left over, just like the uh, baskets of loaves and fishes. So then I opened it up to the other people in our uh, team, and they came on over and got some. I know there are people, you guys, there are people out there who do this so much more frequently than I do. But for the rest of us, I just want to tell you, that made me so happy. I mean, it's Porto's, so it's hard to be unhappy when you're <laughs> eating Porto's, admittedly. But I was happy. I was going to do it the day before, but then they were bringing in a lunch for us, and it didn't seem to me. I would, I would have gone the day earlier, and then I was so eager to drive down there and get all this stuff, my little shopping list, and to bring it back. They appreciated it, but I'm telling you, you I was blessed, I think, far beyond what they were. So as you go beyond just thinking about someone that you're grateful for, beyond just writing it down, look at a way that you can make a gesture to them. So five lessons, two activities. Aren't you curious what God can do with these things if we put some of them into practice? Who knows? Who knows? You might even discover your own great moment in Thanksgiving. Thank you. Amen.